Hi everyone, this is Matt Bravratsky with the Equal Time Soccer Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, this episode we're talking to Katie Schultz, who is a Minnesotan who's played Division One. She's played in the WPSL, and last season she played in Cyprus over in Europe. Um, they're part of the, the UEFA um, uh, structure, and so teams in that, in that league are basically all competing for a Champions League spot because that's where the real... Um, financial support comes especially over in Europe and so we talked to Katie about adjusting to kind of that level of play what it's like to play in a country uh, that's split down the middle in terms of kind of cultural differences with the Turkish and and Cypriot people Um, but also kind of what her hopes are for this upcoming season because she's in her off season right now and uh, thanks so much to to Katie for being game for jumping on and and doing an interview, especially with the big giant time difference. Uh, give her a follow on Twitter, and um, here's Katie. All right, we're here with Katie Schultz, uh, former Minnesota soccer star, and now plying her trade overseas, all the way in Cyprus, which is fantastic. And Katie, thanks so much for talking to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. So for those who who don't know Katie, she was playing with the Twin Stars. She's a Wyzetta, like high school grad. And then you played your, your college ball in at UW-Green Bay, which is a D1 program in, in northern Wisconsin. But talk about playing in Cyprus. What's it like to be over there? And uh, this you're kind of wrapping up your first year over there. So what's it been like playing overseas? It's been amazing. It's been kind of a dream, dream come true for me. I always knew that I was pretty competitive, always wanted like the best for myself and um, kind of put myself in whatever way I could. And from high school, it was always I wanted to play Division One soccer, actually at the time Division One basketball too, but um, I knew I wanted to be a college athlete and to be able to do that and play Division One college soccer was something I had to set a new goal for myself and it was then becoming a star all league and you kind of make your way up and um kind of towards the end of my my college career I wasn't really ready to give it up yet and um it kind of brought me to thinking about how I could uh continue my career and I loved playing for the twin stars and it was kind of a new level a new challenge but I still wasn't ready to be done so I tried to contact some some different people and and find my way out of the states and into somewhere that I could challenge myself even more. So uh, I had an agent um, kind of quickly find me somewhere just to start, and I landed myself somewhere that I had never even heard of before. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a really cool island. It's very small, but I've had a blast uh, exploring it, meeting new people. Um, the game's a little different here, but I have loved every second of learning more about myself and, and being alone in a different place is sometimes a challenge, but um, I really loved every second of it. And the, so you, we were talking a little bit before starting recording and you're sitting basically south of Turkey and east of Greece and yep. you're in, you're an island in, you know, this really specific part of the country where there's, you're in a city that kind of has a boundary where, you know, Turk, the Turks uh, uh, oversee part of it and the Greeks oversee yep. part of it. And there's, there's all this different cultural piece, but what's the, I mean, when you got there in the soccer, what was the soccer adjustment like? Because you said you, you played in a different le- a few different levels, and then you decide, I want to keep climbing and see where my see where I can go. What was it like that first training session when you got on the field where you kind of like, oh, okay, this is what it's going to be like? <laughs> yeah, well, I 
kind of had a shock. I flew for, I think it was around 36 to get to um, here. I flew from Minnesota to New York and then from New York to Moscow, from Moscow to and it was just a very long, drawn-out trip. And then I got here, and they threw me right in. We had a team dinner and all this stuff, and I just wanted to sleep. But then the next day, we woke up, and I had a, a training session. And I was, I was pretty nervous, but I was ready to, like, compete. Um, and the other two foreign players had been there for a week or so, so they kind of knew it was nothing, nothing new for them. But I think just, like, the nerves of, like you're finally playing as a professional, like your contract is signed, you're doing this for a job, you're getting paid. Like it's all just a different like mindset, I think. Like you have to push yourself even harder because other girls are trying to do that too. Um, but I did notice right off the bat, like everything's quicker. Like passes are in and out of people's feet. Um, like checking their shoulder, everything is just a lot faster, a lot quicker. You have to really be involved in the game to um, not get beat or not get the ball stolen off your foot. Um, but I think uh, playing at the level that I did, even with the Twin Stars, prepared me for that. Like, I anticipated that, so I had kind of an idea of what it would be like. Uh, maybe not as much of a shock for me coming from that level, but um, I like it. I really like the speed. I like playing to feet. I think that's another thing that's big. Here you see a lot of um, playing defeat combinations with players. Sometimes more in the U.S. you see the long diagonal ball or like a, a long ball over the top. Mm -hmm. But here it's a lot more to, the, to your feet. You don't see a lot of balls in the space. Mm -hmm. um, and I kind of like that. I mean, every once in a while I like to switch the ball, but I like the ball on the ground. I like playing. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like the movement. So I've, I really like the especially playing against teams like Apollon Ladies and Barcelona who are playing in the Champions League. I mean, comparing yourself to that team and and what you can do to make your team better against those players. I mean, uh, Apollon Ladies had, um, her name is Laura Rust. She was ranked one of the top 15 strikers in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and I got to mark her, and I just think it's really cool that I could challenge myself and, and push myself against a player that I know is world-class. Um, so getting that experience is really cool. I mean, whether she beat me a couple times or not, I really like to push myself and, and compete at that level. And I, and at the end, I started to notice that they're more giving you more respect when you make a challenge or like the other teams notice it as well. Mm -hmm. So I think that was really cool too. All the foreign players kind of, at the end of the games, kind of talk a little bit. And, I mean, I've got to meet some of the Apollon ladies girls. They, they're they from all over the world, and mm -hmm. some of them are from the States. One girl's from North Carolina, one's from Cincinnati. And, I mean, you talk to them a little bit, see what their experience is like, and I think that's really cool, too, meeting other teams and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, and, the you know, one thing I've heard when I talk to other other players who go over and they're in a new, new country adjusting – I mean, I think there's such a wide spectrum of experiences based on which league you're in and which country you're in and kind of how teams, um, how built out kind of the team structure is, even like how, you know, how much staff they have, how much support they give players or like what they expect the player to do versus what they do. When you showed up, was there, was there surprises on that side of it or what, like, what was that like in terms of 
how much you had to figure out on your own versus, you know, like housing and like pay and all of this stuff. Was it, uh, what was that like? Cause you said like the first time you show up to training and you're doing it for a living, but what was it yeah. like figuring out the off the field stuff? I mean, how was that? Yeah. Well, I, when I got there, the club picked me up from the airport. Um, and we immediately went to the doctor and I had to have a full physical and, and that was kind of a shock to me. I mean, usually you just go to your family doctor and they clear you, sign some paperwork. But I actually had to have like a heart stuff, heart testing done, and all of that stuff done um, before they cleared me to play. And then um, the team dinner, we had um, a full traditional Greek meal first night I was there, and the president is there, president of the club, all his assistants, and the coach and the like everybody was there and it was just overwhelming number of people and everybody is coming over and talking to me. And I, I mean, it's a lot of names to remember a lot of people and what they do. Um, and once I started to settle in and, um, they brought me to our apartment, I shared a three bedroom apartment with two other foreign girls. Um, I ended up being by myself when they left, but, um, it was a very nice apartment, a lot of space for what you would figure in a European, European city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I really liked our apartment, and it was not far from uh, our stadium. But here, it's not really a classic European city where you can walk everywhere. Um, it's more of a city that you need a car or at least like a bike or something. Um, the car they uh, rented a car for us, so we were able to travel around. But they do drive on the other side of the road here, um, <laughs> so I had to get used to that. Um, and they gave us a stick shift, which I had never driven that either. So it was kind of interesting in that aspect, trying to figure that out. And they're pretty crazy drivers here. So, um, that was probably the biggest shock to be honest. Um, but, and here I've noticed that the time, the timing is a little bit slower in terms of their lifestyle. Um, being late is okay. I've never, um, I've never seen that as okay, but um even in terms of pay i mean mm-hmm. it was always a couple days late or yeah. a week late yeah. or and it was just okay to them like it was normal and and i mean you have to grow to be okay with it because right. that's their lifestyle and that's what they're used to right um so that was that was something that i had to cuz i have it marked on my calendar that like pay i get paid but really <laughs> you can't plan on that because it might not be for a little while but right uh, the living is it's a little different like uh they all enjoy their coffee breaks and everybody smokes here and and so it's just like the little things that you have to get used to that like for fun sometimes it's going to a coffee shop and playing some like board games which is it's okay i'm just not used to that like we don't go to starbucks and sit around and and play some board games for like an afternoon or right. that's a go to watch a soccer match or, or things like that. And mm-hmm. it's just a little different, but you grow, you grow to, yeah. to like how I go watch the games at coffee shops. So yeah. I've I, fallen in. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what's your, so what's your average day? Like, cause I've heard, especially in, in certain countries, girls will kind of pick up other jobs to make a little more money or whatever. What's your, what's your kind of average day look like when you have, you know, just an average uh, training day or kind of a non-game day? What does it look like for you? Okay, um, during season, it was, we actually had a, uh, a friend of the club, uh, one of the foreign girls mm-hmm. knew a guy here that runs his own gym. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and he let me and the other foreign girls use his gym because uh, we didn't have mandatory gym sessions, which I'm used to training during season, and I know the other girls were too, so we wanted to keep doing that. Um, so he allowed us to use his gym, and it's been really, really nice. So we would usually go there in the morning, and then we would come back and have like our breakfast of some sort, like post-workout meal. Um, then we'd have to figure out our shower situation, so it usually takes <laughs> a little. Um, and then usually we would go somewhere, depending on, on what the rest of the day looked like. Um, sometimes we would go down to Leader Street, which is like the downtown area, and it's it's where you walk around. So we would walk down the streets for a while and find a coffee shop and sit, or um, there's a few like restaurants by our apartment that we could walk to. So we would usually try and get out of the house and go explore a little bit every day. Um, and then we usually had training around 7 every night. So, I mean, by the time you get there and everything. So that would be around 6 o'clock. Um, we would go to training. Uh, training would be about two hours. Uh, we'd have ice baths and um, sometimes a massage person would come um, post-practice. Um, and then we would make our way back, showers again, and try and eat something quick before before you rest for the rest of the night. But it's really a lot of um, soccer-related activities. And I know we had... Um, like our physiotherapist too was open for us to go visit whenever we wanted. So like any sort of injury or like weakness or whatever, we could go there. I know I went there and just did some game ready, like the ice machine mm -hmm. um, a few times just to make sure I'm maintaining everything. And, um, but pretty much anything that you really needed, the club was able to provide. I mean, mm -hmm. they really do try and make it comfortable for you. So I know, like, we needed extra heaters in our house, and they went out of their way to try and um, find these heaters for us. And just, like, the little things, they've been really accommodating for mm -hmm. us. So it's been really nice. It's mm -hmm. been it's worked out well for us. That sounds actually, I mean, that sounds like one of the better situations I've heard of in terms of kind of first experiences overseas. Because I think part of, the, part of the challenge is some of these clubs are either newer, like they truly yeah. are newer at having a women's squad, or... If they're, or if they're lower level, you just it's more of a grab bag of you don't know if you'll get a good situation. So it seems like right. you actually found a pretty good spot. Because the one yeah. thing, especially like D1 players, um, players who have played Division One women's soccer in the States, a lot of times what people will say is, you know, they're way more um, taken care of or pampered or whatever you'd say yeah. in a Division One program compared to a lot of pro programs, even like the NWSL. I think it's very rare that even an NWSL team in, in the States um has like has that many kind of creature comfort like player comfort things that they provide just because it's there aren't that many fantastic situations uh yeah. for women soccer players so it seems like they actually treated you guys pretty well uh considering it's such a small country and a pretty small league too yeah and i would say they were learning definitely and i think they learned more that after we got there and the things that we needed mm -hmm. um and i think we weren't afraid to tell them what we needed. And I, and that's key, I think. Um, what's in your contract and what's not. I mean, we had transportation in our contract, so we were able to negotiate them to rent a car for us. If it hadn't been in our contract, it may not have happened for us. Because um, it didn't happen for a while. We had to really negotiate with them to get us a car because, I mean, we needed to be able to leave our mile radius. Um, 
but I would say that the facilities, um, in terms of locker room and ice bath stations and equipment, things like that, definitely a Division One level program. It's going to be a step down. But in terms of like field and stuff, I wouldn't say. Um, I mean, it's a very our field is pretty nice, nice stadium. Um, they were used to having a men's program. Our men's program was in the first division in Cyprus, which is competing for the Champions League. Uh, the winner, Upwell, played against Real Madrid this year. We got to go to that game, actually. But our men's team is in the second division. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they do take care of them, for sure. Um, and I think we kind of get most of the treatment that they get, right. but not to that quality yet. Because right. this was our first, their first year, I think, as a as a program in this league. Oh. Um, so it, they did a pretty great job of mm-hmm. um, of staying in the pack, I would say, with the teams that have been here for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, it can only go up from here, to be honest. Now that they know what they need to do, what other teams are doing in order to stay at the top, mm-hmm. I think they really could compete for the Champions League spot in this league if they're willing to put in the n- enough money for foreign players and if they can get um, foreign players that are willing to, to work with some of the other girls. I know some of the younger girls on the team, like I kind of took them and I tried to, to help them with things that I learned when I was younger that maybe they weren't able to learn because I know the future leagues here are just not very good for for female athletes. I mean, at home you see little five-year-olds running around playing soccer and you have the ages all the way up until you reach college. But here they don't really have that. They have academy for boys, but for girls it's really hard to find that. And Mm -hmm. that's part of the reason why this, this league is so separated in terms of level because at the bottom you have almost only players. And at the top, you have a lot of foreign players. So it's almost how much you can spend and how much you're willing to bring in foreign players to help your team. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of been a struggle. I know some of the girls really appreciate any time that I would take out to help them shoot or help them with passes. Because, I mean, any little bit when I was younger helped. So I just figure, like, what's an extra 20 minutes for my day to help somebody? And and I know that, and, like, I even offered for them to come to, like, our workouts that weren't, like, soccer-related. And almost taking your own initiative to, to make the club better. Mm-hmm. If they're do it, you have to do it yourself. So, I mean, it's been fun. It's mm-hmm. been fun to take the new role. And I was voted a, a captain, actually, um, one of the captains this year. And I was kind of shocked because I didn't speak Greek at all. And half the time they're talking in Greek, and I don't know what they're saying, but... Um, that was really nice to see that they kind of respected me in that role and were able to learn a little bit from what I could bring, which which was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. I bet. I mean, what's the? You talked a little bit about some of these clubs have invested more than others, and some of these players are are pretty competitive and, and top ranked. Where do? I mean, what's the relation of this league to others? Like, where do? Where would a top player leave from the Cyprus League to go somewhere else, or? Um, kind of what are the what was the makeup of your team in terms of was it a lot of those young players or a lot of those where you're kind of showing them the ropes as you know someone who's had some college and semi-pro experience or what kind of what was the makeup of the team and then 
how did that league kind of seem too of like where people leave to or where they come from? Um, I would say our team was a lo- uh, pretty young, to be honest. Uh, I was one of the older girls, and I'm only tw- turning 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of part of the difference, I think. We didn't have as much experience, but we did. A- I mean, we had a few girls that were like 26, 27, but the majority were under 23, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really young team. That's yeah. really young. <laughs> Yeah, we had a few girls that um, were on, like, younger national teams, so U19 national team. We had three girls on the Cypriot national team. Um, So those players were being seen and able to train at a higher level, but some of the other girls don't get the opportunity. So um, it was kind of taken upon them to to push themselves, to make themselves better. And I think playing against the – foreign players and against the the national team players really raises the level um so in terms of like a Poland ladies and Barcelona I think their competitive atmosphere at practice with more foreign players and and more of that level I think forces you to be a little uh better in terms of playing um I know that their Barcelona has brought in girls from the top league in Italy playing and there's a a couple of Greece players, a couple of Italy, a couple of French. I mean, they're mm-hmm. from all over that come here. And, and to be honest, they're really fighting for that Champions League spot mm-hmm. because um, that's a really cool experience. And Apollon Ladies has won it year after year after year. And, and Barcelona came in and won it this year. So mm-hmm. I think it shows you that even though Apollon Ladies has almost all foreign players that they start, mm-hmm. um, Barcelona has less foreign players, but they – the way they fill out their roster um, really makes the Cypriot players in so they can, like, so they can play and they mm-hmm. can um, get better and, and not be a weakness on the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put them in spots to succeed, and, and I think that's really what it takes is building Cyprus up in women's soccer too. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of the Cypriot people here like what Barcelona has done because – they didn't just take all foreign players and mm-hmm. on a field and, and try and win the league. They actually built up with Cyprus players and and were able to win the title. So sometimes it's not always about how many foreign players you can get here, but it's about how what strategy you use in terms of like positioning and formation and things and, and they were very, very good this year and mm-hmm. I'm I wouldn't be surprised if they went pretty far in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So It'll be interesting to see to see where they go. And you talked a little bit about kind of how the people there feel about different teams. What was the what was that first game like? I mean, what was the Seydou environment like? What was the what was the game environment like? Yeah. Well, the first game honestly was a blur because I was still in shock <laughs> from getting off the plane for forty hours. But it was really really cool. I remember sitting in the locker room and kind of just like taking a deep breath and and trying to figure out like where I was and what was actually going on. But I mean, the first few touches are really important just to like ease your mind and realize that like, okay, it's the same game that you've been playing for how long. Mm -hmm. Um, But at first you're almost like catching your breath. Like you're, it's a big game for you at least, maybe not for the other players, but um, they had a practice. They had a few friendly games um, before I got there. So they had played together a little bit before I came. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't know really anybody on the field. 
I don't even think I knew their names before um, I came in, but um, it was it was a nice start. We played one of the a really good team actually in our league, and um, we ended up tying them. We should have beat them, but we ended up tying them, and um, it was a. I mean, I didn't think I played poorly, and I think it was just kind of getting your feet under you in the league and mm-hmm. and realizing what what it takes to play at this league and what it takes mm-hmm. to succeed league and um there was a one girl on our team from Norway and she was kind of a player coach for us and I kind of went to her like after games and and tried to get advice because she has played all over the world and helped players get to different teams and she kind of helped bring me there along with my agent so I kind of went to her and asked her like what I needed to do better to get to the next level and and kind of how did I play in this game and what did I do wrong? Because I always want to, like, improve on, on how I'm playing. And um, she was very helpful after even the first game. Like, okay, when we play against teams like Barcelona, Paul and Ladies, you need to do this better. Or movement here needs to be a little faster. Or your communication needs to be better. But um, it's just the little things, I think, after that. Like, your game doesn't really change you're going to play how you're going to play. And and that's how I've taken it here. Like Mm -hmm. I play the same style every time I step on the field and, and um, it's worked out well for me thus far. So um, it's just a matter of quick, making your touches a little quicker, Mm -hmm. uh, your movements a little faster, checking your shoulder a little earlier, um, just trying to tighten things up a little bit in Mm -hmm. the first couple games and practices. And, um, and then once you get in the, the scheme of things, it's all, it just rolls on to another one. I mean, one game from another, it's just kind of gets into your routine. And I got in a pretty good routine here, I think, with our, our games on yeah. Sundays. You just get used to it, and it just becomes a, a daily thing for you. Yeah. Well, and you've played, so your college program is what people would probably call like a mid-major, like a yep. Division One program. Um, and I think a lot of times when people, like one of the things I've heard for players who go abroad unless they're playing in like the champions league is the fan support can be kind of pretty up and down. I think actually even in like the top league in England, the fan support can be pretty small for you. How did, how did that compare like the stadium environment compare to when you were in like a college atmosphere versus playing in the pros? Like what was it, what was it like in the actual stadium in terms of kind of fan support? I would say, well, at Green Bay, we had a few games that we had a lot of fans, like it was student night or whatever, and, mm-hmm. and those are always fun when you get a huge crowd under the lights, and, and those are always really fun. Um, a little strange here, our games were at 11 o'clock in the morning, Yeah. Um, so it's really, really hot here, and um, there's no lights, there's no real like game atmosphere, so that kind of throws you off at first, that's hard to get used to, um, so that kind of took me a little while, but... <laughs> Um, the fans are just a lot louder here. It's a lot more, like, obnoxious, like, drums and noisemakers and, like, weird things, like, flags, a lot of flags, um, which I'm just, I wasn't used to in, in college at all. I mean, you used to fans cheering and things, but nothing like, uh, noisemakers and drums yeah. and... It was more I like, mean, like, you yeah, have, like, like, a, you have kind of, like, a stereotypical, like, soccer supporter section over there. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, some games, obviously, you don't have as many fans, but I mean, that's women's soccer. It's growing, and mm-hmm. it's going to take a while to get to that level, but mm-hmm. I mean, we go watch our men's program, and and the, the fans for the men are just crazy. I mean, 
there was one game I went to where, like, the fans, the fans that won the game were spitting on the ref as they walked through the tunnel. And I was, like, in shock. And everybody was kind of like, oh, like, that's normal. And I was like, what? Like, that's not normal. Like, no. And, like, they won. Like, why are they so upset? But, I mean, it's just they take it very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> and men's team i mean the right. division it's like they get in fights over like the derby here is yeah it's crazy i mean it's it's nuts i've and, never seen and so is it like a few hundred people like dozens of people what's the what's the scale they uh, in good games like in our games against other teams in our city where it's not far to travel i would say we had a couple hundred maybe yeah. hundred or so. i mean it's not crazy but yeah. it's up to to make it feel like a game situation and, yeah um it's fun it's a it's a cool i mean whether you have some of the girls parents and and whatnot but there's also people that are there just because they like soccer and yeah and I, that's the coolest thing like in high school it's always you have your parents and everybody's parents are there yeah. but in college you kind of it's more friends and friends yeah. of friends then here it's more just people that love soccer that mm-hmm. go to the and maybe they know of somebody or they met somebody once. And I think that's the coolest part. And I know the, the Barcelona versus the Poland ladies game mm-hmm. drew a lot of fans for mm-hmm. that game. Um, and I know that was crazy. Yeah. Um, so And also the Ammonia Lefkothea game, which is two teams from Nicosia also, they drew a lot of fans as well. And, and like police officers at the game in case of, like fights and things. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, it's crazy how serious they take right. a golf in a soccer match. I mean, I'm competitive and all, but I mean, <laughs> it's soccer and in the big scheme of things, it is soccer. So right, and and oh. so you're in you're in your off season, and so it's um, I guess we should say too. So what's the name of your club? Maybe we didn't say that yet. What's the name of your club you played so, for last season? Lakatamias. Lakatamias is the suburb of Nicosia that we live in. Mm-hmm. Not really sure what the other part of it means, but yeah. um yeah, that's what I've a lot of the names here are very different. Yeah. So I mean they're saying like in the beginning I was just so thrown off by all the teams' names and, and everything, but now I know exactly who they're talking about, which is yeah. it's cool to dab so early to, to figure things out and yeah. You're kind of forced to figure things out when you're here, right? All so. <laughs> and you're it, and you're in. So you're in this kind of transfer window period where you still are. You're in Cyprus now, and you're yep. still like getting prepped for next season. So there's a possibility you could land with the same club again, but there's also a possibility you don't know who might try and pick you up because it's yeah. it'll go for a while, right? Like when would the start of the season be? So how long is your off season still? So, um, Champions League teams have kind of started forming. The uh, transfer window opened in June, mm-hmm. so my agent kind of said, "Let's stay where we are." And and I have a good situation here. I'm mm-hmm. still allowed to work out at the gym, and I actually got my personal trainer certification, so I can go help him out at the mm-hmm. gym as well. And that's been nice to to kind of do an internship there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have access to the field and. So it's kind of a good setup here that I can do all my off-season training um, and get everything done that I need to while yeah. also close to other clubs in case they need me for a trial or they need me mm-hmm. um, as soon as possible. 
Um, it just makes negotiations a little easier, too, with um, them not having to spend as much money on, on a flight from um, the States. Mm -hmm. But um, So my initial plan was to come home right away. As soon as the season ended, I was going to come home. But plans kind of changed, and I like it here. So I decided to stay for now. And uh, my agent kind of said, well, the transfer window opens in June for a lot of countries, not every country. But mm -hmm. Most of them go until August, end of August is when they'll um, have players report. Mm -hmm. So in August sometime is usually when when they'll uh, have players coming in. And mm -hmm. uh, said within the next two to three, four weeks is mm -hmm. when most of the teams will be making their decisions based on the rosters that they had the previous year. And so he's working on some working on some things and trying to find some new opportunities mm -hmm. and. I, the goal of this for me, too, is to enjoy my experience. So um, going to different places, playing in different cities, exploring different countries is, is something that I that I want to do, too, other mm -hmm. than soccer. I mean, soccer is why I'm here, but it's also fun to, to experience all the different cultures and everything. So I'm ready for a change, but if it doesn't happen in this transfer window, there's more transfer windows down the road, and, mm -hmm. and I'll next season here as a – um, and other opportunities. So mm -hmm. uh, either way, I'll be playing next season. It just depends on on where I'll be, and hopefully, hopefully, I'll find out something soon about that. But and if you land at a different club, or even if you're still with with your same club now, and you were gonna bring in some of your old teammates or bring in some players to add some add some American yeah. blood to add some American talent under your yeah. squad. How would you sell it to them? What would you describe to them as the reason they should come play with you on the back line or play with you in your in your yeah. midfield? What would you What would you tell them if you're if you're trying to bring some more um, some more Americans your way? Well, I actually did talk to my agent, and he wants to bring in more players here, and he has a lot of American players that are obviously looking in the same place that I was, trying to play overseas, but kind of need a starter place. Um, and you can kind of sell that to the players as well, that maybe your salary is not going to be as high right away, but you can build your way up when you start like getting into different levels and other countries. You can make more money as you go. Um, so that was kind of the start for me. Um, it's never really been about the money over here. Like I want to enjoy the experience. You can only play soccer for so long. I mean, it's not a career for any soccer player, women soccer player. Um, so he kind of talked about that. Well, what if we staff the team? What if we try and get more foreigners in? Um, the only thing is in Cyprus, you're only allowed two Americans. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's seven European players. Mm -hmm. um, so it's seven players that have a European passport, mm -hmm. but a lot of players can get by because they'll have two passports, one American and one European, whether okay. their parents are from there or however they got that. I know a Palm ladies got by with that. Like a couple of the girls had two passports, so they were able to be listed as a European player. Mm -hmm. But in reality, they're from America. They played soccer the whole time in America. So, mm -hmm. so you have one. You get one recruiting yeah. trip then. So you have to choose. You get one teammate yeah. you can get to come yeah. over. Yeah, but I know that's the and that's the thing. I mean, if I think if we could take maybe three three or four American quality players um, that play at the American game, which is more physical, more like bigger presence 
it's just a, a little bit different style. And I think that built in with the European style makes a great mix. Kind of mm-hmm. what Barcelona did. Um, it's not all one style. They kind of found out how to mix it. Mm-hmm. Um, that worked out well. And I and we do have some very good Cypriot players on our team. Um, our goalie was the best goalie in Cyprus. And, and she saved us in a lot of games. And um, we have some, like the two other girls that are on the national team, very good quality players. So if you mix in the those type of players with some Americans, I mean, it could be a very, very good team. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, the club has to pay the money. So mm-hmm. that's really the ultimate thing is is selling them to spend the money. And right. uh, I think the only thing that sells them is we're going to compete for the Champions League spot because right. that brings in more money for them. Right. And that makes them happy. So if you're going to say that you're competing with them, I think maybe maybe they go for it, maybe they don't. Yeah. So it's, that, and- that's the most challenging part is you don't have control over their money. So mm-hmm. whether it's going to help them or not, sometimes they're not necessarily uh, willing to do that. So. Right. And I guess I'll make a very bold assumption and assume that this Barcelona you play against is not the Barcelona in Spain. It's not. It is not. It is. <laughs> A different Barcelona team. <laughs> That's why everybody says, just tell them that you played against the, the Barcelona in Spain. Yeah. But it's, and uh, everyone in America will be like, holy crap, she's playing against Barcelona. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, Katie, this is this is so fantastic. Thanks so much for talking to us. It's awesome to, to learn about Minnesotans playing abroad. And you obviously have, this is your kind of like window of uncertainty of where you're not sure where you're going to land. But we'll, we'll try and keep track of you as you uh, go through this offseason, as you sign. Um, you know, we have, uh, your, your old WPSL team is, is bringing in fans still. So maybe, maybe some of your, your new teammates will make it overseas too. Uh, they have the international combine coming up in July, which is cool. Um, yeah. So thanks so much for talking to us, Katie and, uh, good luck in Cyprus and over in Europe.